This is Frank Preaching, a podcast for preachers and people and whoever might be interested in listening to a sermon. Hello and welcome to the Frank Preaching Podcast the second episode of the Frank Preaching Podcast, and I know this is in rapid succession with the first episode, but I want to stay on top of things, and I really want this to be a regular project for me. The first thing I want to say about this episode is, like the last sermon, it's a little bit darker, and also it has a little bit of controversy in it. That's the nature of Lent, I suppose. Everything kind of tends towards the darker, but hopefully... Even with the controversy and the darkness, God's word will come through and something will spark inside of you. And so listen and remember that God is with you and God bless. Our final scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 22. Verses 35 through 38. And I warn you, this is not a passage you often hear in church. He said to them, When I sent you out without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, No, not a thing. He said to them, But now the one who has a purse must take it, and likewise a bag. And one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you, this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. And indeed, what is written about me is being fulfilled. They said to him, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he replied, it is enough. Like I said, that's not a passage that you hear in church all too terribly often. And especially not that little bit. If you're going to hear it, you're going to hear the whole discourse. But as I was preparing last week, I had included that in the passage. And then I read one of those verses, and I just was like, that's something I've got to address. I can't just leave that hang. And in a way, it was a good way to separate it because it points to the building tension that this story, this series has had. Because that first sermon... Everyone is just kind of happy-go-lucky and ready to go celebrate. And only Jesus and Judas have any idea that something bad is coming. And then they're all sitting around the table eating and dining. And then Judas says, one of you is going to betray me. There's this little bit of tension building. This building tension. And then... After that, they start arguing about greatness, and Jesus looks at Peter, Peter, who would be the head of the church. He looks at Peter, and he says, you will deny me. And there's this great big tension building. And then we get to this last part of the meal, and we get almost to a breaking point where Jesus basically tells them, dark times are coming. Because one of the things I don't know if we do a great job of explaining is the fact that up until these three days 
in the story of Jesus, three or four days in the story of Jesus, it's been relatively peaceful. There's been a couple of times where they've attempted to kill Jesus or arrest him, but nothing major. It's been peaceful. They've been relatively safe. They've been well provided for. They didn't live a life of comfort, but I don't think they really lacked anything. There's not been a whole lot of risk yet. And in these few, these few verses, Jesus is telling them, this is done. This time of peace is done. This time of people providing for you is done. You will have to provide for yourself. You will be at risk. Jesus knows that this is going to start within the next few hours. Everything changes after the crucifixion. The disciples run scared, and then when they finally come back together, they're hiding scared. The door is locked. They're afraid for their life. And after they see Jesus, they're going to risk their life and limb to start this new church, to build this new body, to teach the teachings of Christ. They are going to risk everything, including life, to do this. And this is something new. I want to start out by saying unequivocally that the words that Jesus puts in those first three verses that I read today are a warning. They are a warning that something different is coming. They're a warning that darkness is coming. And part of that is people are no longer going to celebrate when you come into town. After Jesus is executed, people are going to fear you and other people are going to hate you. You're not going to walk into a town and be lifted up. You're going to walk into a town and fear. Now, they're going to walk into towns despite this fear. They're going to be more than willing to build this church up, but there is going to be fear that wasn't there before. And they're not going to be provided for. People aren't going to welcome them into their houses and celebrate their arrival. That isn't how this is going to happen. They will have to provide for themselves. And it's going to become violent and dangerous. There's going to be risk. There's going to be people who will try to kill them and eventually people that will kill them is going to be a very dangerous and dark time for them. But there's half a verse that I got caught up on, and I knew I just couldn't let it be. And it really comes down to, is Jesus giving out literal instructions, or is he giving out spiritual and symbolic instructions? And I'm going to read the last half of verse 26 again. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. And I've talked to Christian groups who believe in carrying a gun everywhere you go and being willing to protect. And this is one of the verses that they use to justify that mentality. Because Jesus is clearly saying, sell and buy your cloak, as so it seems. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, Jesus literally telling his disciples, arm yourself 
and be ready to fight? Or is this more of a warning? Is this more of a a warning of spiritual enemies? Now, a lot of pastors would tell this sermon and it would become a anti-violence, anti-gun sermon. And that's not the sermon I'm going to tell. One, because it would make me a hypocrite. But that's not the point I'm trying to make here. But I am going to point that this, I believe, is one of, the, one of Jesus' last times to roll his eyes at his disciples because they just don't get it. I do not believe, and most of the church does not believe, that Jesus was literally saying, buy swords and be ready to fight. And we think that because everything that's happened before this and everything that happens after it conflicts with this being a literal command. What happens in verse 28? They say, we have two swords. And Jesus says, that's enough. Now, there's two swords and there's 12 disciples. Now, Judas has no need for a sword at this point. But so that leaves two swords and 11 disciples, where Jesus literally just said, if you don't have a sword, go sell your cloak and buy one. So that would imply that all of them need a sword. And yet two is enough? But even that is kind of, okay, maybe... Maybe we're just going too far. Maybe Jesus thinks, just prepare. But I think about what happens immediately after this scene. And they come to arrest Jesus, and Peter draws his sword, and he is ready to fight, and Jesus tells him no. And I thought about that scene a little bit, that scene with Peter and the temple guards. And I think, I've seen this scene in a movie before. Because Peter is ready to fight. And so no one else has got their swords drawn yet. Peter's able to do damage because no one's ready for this. And so what I imagine Peter thinks is going to happen, that he's going to die here, but he's going to draw his sword and do as much fighting as possible and look at Jesus and say, Lord, run! Run away! Run away! You've seen that movie before, right? I, didn't even, I really didn't even take the time to look one up because I've seen it so many times. It's, it's a great movie, but it's not what was supposed to happen. Peter draws his sword and cuts the ear, which tells me Peter did actually know what he was doing with his sword, but that's later. Peter draws his sword and he cuts the ear, and no one's there ready to kill him for it. He would have gotten away with it. He could have gotten Christ away. But Jesus is like, no, this isn't how this goes. You are not called to violently defend me, to protect me. That isn't what this call is. I will admit, this one, I have to say, I was not even sure where to go with it. I needed to do a lot of research, and I read a lot of people's thoughts on this. And almost every one of them came to the same conclusion, that Jesus is warning them of spiritual enemies. Much the same way that Jesus speaks in parables and illustrations, the idea of drawing his sword is to slay those enemies that are going to try to take your soul away. 
Because if Jesus is the exemplar of the perfect human life, what did Jesus do? Jesus had the power to take himself down from the cross, had the power to heal himself, had the power to not be executed, and yet he went through it. And if you know just a little bit about crucifixion, you know it is brutal, and it is painful, and it is designed to just be the most awful way to die. And he, with all of his power and abilities, went through it anyway. But I've heard the I've heard the thought that, well, that was Jesus. How about the rest of us? And I think about the first Christian martyr, Stephen, and how when they ran him out into the street and they were stoning him, he looked up and he saw Christ. That tells me. If Christ is there at your end and is smiling down upon you, you have done it right. Could have they protected Stephen? Maybe. If they'd all purchased swords like they were told? Maybe. If that was what the command actually was, was to literally go out and buy a sword, could they have saved Stephen? Maybe. But that isn't what this call is about. And the question I came to, the question I could not find an answer to because it's unanswerable, is if Christ literally told them to arm themselves, why didn't the church fathers actually do it? And why didn't they fight back? Because clearly after the Pentecost, They were enabled to do great things. They were able to do Christ's mission. And yet they didn't fight back. Why wouldn't they, unless this wasn't a literal command? This whole discourse, this four verses, is a warning, not a call to arms. And like I said, I'm not not making any judgment call I'm not saying you need to feel this way or that way about guns or carrying guns or weapons or anything like that. I am just saying that this discourse, this small four verses, is not a call to arms. This is Christ's way to warn and to prepare. The world will turn against you. Your friends will turn against you. The world will no longer provide for you There will be no more celebrations as you enter the city. People are not going to welcome you in their homes like they used to. And there will be many spiritual enemies. There will be many things that will try to take your soul and distract you from your mission. Make you sin. Make you fall short. And violence will come your way. Because I thought about the end of those men gathered there. Ten of the eleven remaining disciples would die from martyrdom. The disciple they chose to replace Judas would die from martyrdom. Paul would die from martyrdom. And the one disciple that survived would go through a life of torture and imprisonment. They would try to kill him a lot of times and not succeed because... He got away, but they would fail because he survived. He survived all these execution attempts 
And so, yes, he got to live in peace at the very end, but his life was defined by pain and suffering. And yet, all of them, all the disciples, St. Paul, all of them fought the good fight and continued to do this. They gave up their security. They gave up their safety. They gave it all up and continued to fight. Fight to build this church. Fight, and not fight in a violent way, but fight in a way that goes against the world. This faith is a tough road to travel. We, in the United States, we see faith as this easy thing because it is easy in a way here because we aren't fighting to do it. Faith is not easy. There are spiritual enemies everywhere. There are things trying to take away your faith constantly. In some parts of the world, there are risks to your very life to worship. But if we use Christ as our example, Christ kept up the good fight to the very end. And he gave himself up. So the message of this is not to go out and buy a weapon and be ready to fight. The message is to continue on despite the enemies to battle the enemies in a spiritual way. And that will be tough. We know that because it was tough for them. But they continued anyway. So our call is to continue even when it is tough, to keep up the faith when somebody wants to take it away, to go down that difficult road and continue to build the Church of Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I warned you, this one was a little bit dark, but it's Lent and that's the nature of the beast. I promise in three weeks when I put my Easter sermon up, it's going to be bright, it's going to match the theme music, it's gonna be great. So stick around for that, even if these dark ones, because I promise next week's going to be pretty dark too. But stick around, it's going to get good. Uh, if you're a pastor and this is the sort of thing you might want to do, if you record your sermons and looking for an outlet, or you're thinking maybe, let me know. I'm on Twitter at JesusBeerBlog. Uh, my website is JesusBeer.wordpress.com. You can see a bunch of my other stuff there. Yeah subscribe the rss feed is up it's good hopefully i'll be on itunes soon i submitted so keep an eye uh you found this so you know my soundcloud keep an eye tell your friends subscribe let me know how i'm doing um comments on the sermons anything uh with that god bless and may christ be the center of your life and your guiding force. Amen.